Welcome, everybody. God bless you. And for those of you who are watching, we just want to say thank you for joining us tonight in the middle of the week. We have an uh, opportunity to gather together in the name of Jesus, to hear the word, to pray together, you know, and encourage one another. And that is really the purpose of the body of Christ. The, the fellowship is what that's all about. And fellowship for me when I first came to the Lord was a foreign concept. It really was. I just, to me, it sounded like um, just when you're retired and that's what you do when you hang out with your buddies, right? And that was it. But I come to understand that fellowship is a spiritual communion time with the Lord. When we can commune and we come together because we're like-minded, we believe in the same God. The Bible says by one spirit we've been baptized into one body. And, then, and when we start thinking like that and realizing that the purpose of the body is to be edified, to edify one another, to edify itself in love ultimately, right, so we can be built up. And recognize when we come together that not only are we all in the same boat, but man, we have things to offer one another, you know. And I've learned that, man, everybody here I can learn something from. I can get encouraged from. And I'm learning, I learned to look for that. And I look, learned to just believe that that person has something that I can learn from. And God's going to use that person to teach me a lesson. And that happens all the time. So, and, and when I get to the opportunity to sit together with fellow believers who I know, like me, are struggling with things, and they're not afraid to talk about it. They're not afraid to pray about it and take it to the Lord. That, that teaches me how to fight these battles as we sing often in this church, right, in the name of Jesus. And that's what this life is. It's not going to stop throwing battles at us, but we as the believers, the called out ones, the church, can learn to rise up and be an example to be strong for our community, to be strong for our neighbors, to be strong for our co-workers and our families. And there's a lot of experience here. If I were to count up all the years of everybody here who's been walking with the Lord, that's a lot of years. That's a lot of experience. And so I try to soak that in like a sponge when I get an opportunity. So I want to encourage you to do the same thing in the name of Jesus and just realize that, man, God has something for you every time you come here. And entering in that prayer room is an amazing experience. But whatever you can do, and I try to, I've learning, as Pastor has taught me many times, you know, we've got to learn to trust the Lord. And I try to share that in Bible studies with people is that is a, if we can just start trusting the Lord with where we're at, with what we have, you know, that's a starting place. And then God will take that and he will use it, you know, and build up that trust in us so that we're growing in faith and trust. So, but before we start, I just want to pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, Lord, we come before you to say thank you, Lord, for this opportunity in this day and age that we can gather together, knowing that from your word that there's power in the name of Jesus, that where two or three are gathered together in the name of Jesus, you are there in the midst to minister to every need. And I pray right now for everybody who has a need who is struggling, Lord Jesus, who has just have something heavy on their heart, that, Lord, today we take the opportunity to lay it down at the altar in the name of Jesus, trusting fully in you, Lord God, that if we seek you first, Lord, that you are able to take care of these things, these needs in our lives, Lord. And tonight, as we focus, Lord, on what matters the most to you in ministry, reaching out to those who have nobody, those who are lonely, Lord, 
We ask that you forgive us, Lord, if we've ever neglected anybody, if we've ever been, uh, we've ever shunned anybody, Lord. As a believer, Lord, we ask you to forgive us, Lord, to restore us, Lord, and that you would give us a clean heart, a new heart, and other opportunity, Lord, to reach these people with compassion and love in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we can be the church that you've called us to be, that we can be the called out ones, Lord, the ones you can count on, Lord, who will faithfully minister to the the widow and the orphan, Lord, to the homeless, Lord Jesus, to the neighbor, to the neglected, Lord, to those who feel shunned in this society, Lord. Open our eyes, Lord, and pour out your love upon us, Lord, that we may be able to reach this community in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. It's very convicting when we read about the type of people Jesus would reach out to. And the awesome thing is we read the Gospels is that we understand that Jesus was not afraid to sit down at the table with somebody and talk to them and minister to them, feed them, have lunch with them. And he wasn't afraid about what society perceived that as. And I think we have a lot of pressures in our society today about how to act around other people and how to even treat other people. You know, and sometimes if we're not careful, if we're not seeking the Lord, those those sort of uh, nuances of life and society's pressures can kind of attach themselves to us, and we find ourselves kind of reacting the same way. But God's people are not afraid to act differently. And as a believer in Jesus, we've got to understand that He was emphatic about that. He was bold about it, and He was not concerned about what people might think of Him. Right. And I pray that I have that kind of boldness, that kind of love that I can see past the outward appearance of a a person. And I can push past the society's pressures and reach out to somebody and extend to them help, a prayer of some a a word of encouragement, an act of compassion. And that is going to make a difference. And as I looked at my life and how I've grown and the breakthroughs I've had in my life, it was because of those same acts that were were or, or toward me, people who were just willing to be my friend, spend some time with me, right, and not be concerned about what was so important in society or whether I measured up in a certain aspect of society, you know, and I see that about the people of God. They have that kind of love, and that is so inspiring and encouraging to me, and I want to be a part of that. Because that's what's needed in this life. Those are the breakthroughs. Those are the victories that fire me up when I see people have them and when I have them in my life. And there's a story, and I don't know if anyone got a chance to read this week, but if you did, you realize that Mary was a powerful testimony, right? That Mary, this one whom Jesus cast out seven devils, was played a vital role, and what a testimony she was and really kind of obscure. No one really knows too much about her other than Jesus cast out seven devils from her. But she was there at the resurrection. She was the first to see the resurrected Savior, right? How awesome is that? And the, as, we, as I was meditating and going through this devotional, I realized that she was not unlike a lot of people that are in our society today. Perhaps she was one of those people who we have passed on the streets like we see in our community today who may be worth talking to themselves or just pushing a cart, living on the street, 
and that we pass by, we see that all the time. I've seen that in my life. I've seen people like that. And perhaps she was one of those because of these devils that were inside of her. But Jesus was not afraid to approach her and, and give her the help that she needed. And as we read this, as we meditate upon this, we realize that, man, that's the kind of help the society needs. And as, this, as we, we realize that in our culture today, in our schools, what's being taught, what's being emphasized, what's important, that's a lot of pressure being put on people. And that pressure can add up and can cause people to break because they're the society is teaching that that is the expectation. This is what matters the most. And if you don't fit in this kind of category, then you really don't matter, right? Um, and we've got to be careful of that because we know this world is just standing by to catch the people that society and sometimes, frankly, the church shuns, right? And I pray that we're able, with the help of God, to be compassionate and have the eyes to see these people, to reach them and understand that it's not just about me. Yes, God, we, we come to a place like this. God cleans us up. He fills us with his spirit. We get excited about the word. And sometimes that is such an, a great thing that we, we just love it. And we want to come here and, and, and get excited and sing and praise the Lord. But we've got to recognize the work of the church is not coming here on a Wednesday or a Sunday. And hearing something and getting a little bit of encouragement. The work of the church is out there, right? And I've heard this so many times from the pulpit that we come here to get refilled, replenished. And God is so faithful to do that for us. But for what purpose, right? And we, my prayer is that, that I continue to, I'm able to retain the things, to hold the things that God puts in me that I can use them in the community, in my neighborhood, at my job, to be an example, to be able to have the, the eyes to see those who are around me who are struggling with life. I have family members who I know I have shunned, not intentionally, right, but because just not realizing, not being sensitive enough to what they're dealing with in life. And it's hard to be sensitive to somebody if we don't take the time and ask God to help me see them as you see them. Help me to be sympathetic and empathetic towards who these people are so I can reach them. The story that I want to read to you tonight, which I feel is a very powerful story, it starts out about that same Mary. It says here, we don't know where she lived or if she even had a home. We don't know whether she normally huddled in the doorway of a local tavern or she kept clear and out of sight of society. We don't know where Jesus found her, but wherever she was and whatever her status or circumstances were, she must have been miserable. She, she likely heard voices in her head or experienced sleepless nights with thoughts of self-harm or violence. If we could go back in time, we would not be surprised to see an unkempt, wild-eyed woman talking to herself and snapping at those who came near. Her name was Mary. She was from Magdala, and she had seven demons living in her. Then came Jesus. Although she is mentioned in all four Gospels, we find no specific details of Jesus' encounter with her or his initial encounter with Mary. But the Bible simply says, And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. That's in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. 
At some point, Jesus cast out seven devils out of Mary. Her life must have been a mess before Jesus touched her. We find only a few instances in Scripture where anyone had more demons than Mary. Mary is a classic example of how drastically Jesus can change a life. She went from being a devil-possessed, socially unstable outcast to being a Bible heroine. Amen? She is mentioned by name 12 times in the Gospels. In Jesus' life, which is more than most of the disciples of other or other non-family women in Jesus' life. Mary traveled with Jesus and was at his crucifixion and burial. Not many people had that privilege. But perhaps the greatest honor of her life was being the first person Jesus appeared to after his resurrection. Having gone to his tomb with the other women on the morning Jesus rose from the dead, Mary and the others found his tomb empty. They went to tell the disciples. Evidently, Mary hung back in the garden alone at some point in the morning because three of the gospel tell us she spoke with Jesus, thinking he was the gardener. Then she recognized his voice and became overwhelmed with emotion. Perhaps Mary was more passionate toward Jesus because he had shown her such great mercy by touching her life when she was untouchable. And I think when we see it from that perspective, we realize the potential that's there with people who struggle, who really are society's outcast. If we could look at them in that perspective, that, wow, behind that veneer, behind that covering of what this person's dealing with is somebody who's going to have a powerful testimony, who's going to be able to be an amazing testimony for the Lord Jesus as, and as she or he becomes delivered from whatever it is. And there's a lot to be delivered from. And as we, we sometimes, I think for me, as I look at all these labels, society is now and has been and always will throw at people. You know, we've got to be careful not to get caught up in that. We've got to recognize that everything's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual thing. I don't care what you want to call it. Okay, alcoholism, drug addiction, whatever it is, whether if it's a gender identity thing, it's spiritual. And if we can keep everything in that context, and that's what God's helping me with, is I can start seeing, hey, there's an answer, right? I know what to do. I, know, I can pray for this person. I know in the name of Jesus, if I lay hands on this person, God's going to do something, right? And it, that's, that's, that's where we play. That's where the church is key. That's what our part is. And as, as we look for those opportunities, and there are opportunities on every day, daily basis, where we can have an opportunity to reach out to somebody like that. God's going to provide, you know, and it could be a coworker, could be a family member, could be some unknown spam caller calling you, right? Has anyone ever received a spam call? And like, I have. But what if there was an opportunity there to say, hey, while we're talking, who do you say Jesus is, you know? Do you know who he is? You know, what an opportunity, you know, to, and just daily we have those, those doors of opportunity, those openings that we can use in the name of Jesus. But Mary was one of those. And as we look at this, uh, as we reflect this week in our devotions, think about people that we have, we deal with every day. Think about and pray about, God, is there somebody that I'm overlooking? You know, or right now, if I'm struggling with reaching a certain person, maybe it's a personality, maybe it's a type of person that we know that we just, mm, we would rather avoid. We would rather be 
and we all know the story of the Good Samaritan, would rather cross the road, right, than deal with that person. Because we just maybe don't deal, want to deal with it. Maybe we're not in the mood, quote, unquote. We're having a bad day, right? It's easy to bypass that, but God wants us to look for that. That is the job of the church. That is the work of the church. And if we can embrace that, I believe like Jesus said when he, he was, uh, when his parents were looking for him, remember what he told them? Amen, sister. I must be about my father's business. Don't you know that? And we, like Jesus, can be about our father's business. What is it? Reaching people that are unreachable, right? And maybe in our eyes, we might think, man, this person, I don't know. This one's a tough one, right? But it's not up to us to try to figure out how it's all going to work out, right? Preach the gospel. Pray, right? Reach out to somebody in love, care, compassion, right? And we will see when we start being about our father's business, all of a sudden, man, God's paying a little more attention to me. I'm getting closer to the Lord. I'm having greater experiences. I'm becoming more like Jesus, right? Who's not afraid to reach anybody. The lepers in the Old Testament were probably a really, really prime example where we can think literally about as far as what they were in society. And if you've read the Bible, if you've read the Old Testament, we realize that lepers, leprosy itself was a disease, right? That was also very contagious. So if you had it, the laws were very clear that you had to be separated, okay? You were considered unclean. And we've heard messages, and I know pastor has preached this many times, where the leper, you know, they had to, they had to announce unclean. They had to hold something over their top lip and announce that they were unclean. And they, after a while, because of the, the amount of leprosy, they, they started having leper colonies, whole groups of colonies that were out there outside of the city, right, where they all lived. And, but the society, yeah, from a health perspective, it made sense, but imagine the spiritual stigmatism, the, the isolation that an individual must have felt having to deal with that, you know, and have that in your life when you're not necessarily sure how it came. It was just there, and now you had to be separated from your family, right? You couldn't partake in society anymore. You know, so the pressure was there. But Jesus was not afraid to touch a leper in the name of Jesus. Um, considering lepers unclean was un understandable, right? Mosaic law said they were unclean. Their skin disease could potentially infect others. The uncleanness was a medical issue, not an issue of the person's worth or personality. The contagious disease was the concern, and the resulting quarantine was not designed to devalue the person who contracted the leprosy. People are often defined by things that publicly manifest in their lives. Can you think of some? We have them today, right? And that's sometimes how our, our society defines individuals. Someone who is painfully shy may be viewed as socially challenged, right? There may even be legitimate issues at play in the lives of people who have addictions who, or who make bad lifestyle decisions. And it is not wrong to be aware of the challenges some people have. It is wrong to set boundaries when it comes to unhealthy relationships. It is wrong, however, to discard people who have such issues or to regard these people as irredeemable. 
And I think that's where we got to be careful as a church that we're not letting our culture define what the church should or should not do. Does that happen in our society? You know, do churches, and I'm not calling about any, any doc, denominations or anything, but do religious organizations today react that way to certain peoples, right? Um, or do, do we see that in our society today? We've got to be careful as a church to not let the social pressures dictate how we believe, how we think, how we view people. And that's, that's hard to do, right? If we're, if, we're, if we're wrapped up in social media, right, it's, it's easy to hop on those trains of what everyone's thinking, all right? Whatever, what everyone thinks is cool or acceptable or desirable, we've got to step back and say, Lord, what do you think? You know, how, how do you want me to think about these social issues? You know, and if I were to encounter someone with this in their life, how would you want me to respond to them? Yes. Right. And I pray that that God can give us that understanding, because the last thing we want to do is have an ignorance regarding how to deal with this. We can't just ignore. Right. And we can't expect the society to fix or be of any help. Right. Society wants stigmatism. Right. In some, some ways, I think our society thrives off that to some degree. I'm not getting political here, but the point is we see laws being written because of groups wanting certain things certain ways. Right. And as the church, we can start thinking and getting in that mode of thinking. And God is there to help the church get right on track. Right. That's what repentance is really about. And we've talked about that. God helps us think about things differently. Think about our purpose differently, but also actions. Maybe we were thinking the same way society was thinking about individuals. But God help me. How can I reach somebody should be our prayer, right? How can I get past my own personal feelings and stigmas and reach somebody like that? Lord, what would I do, you know? And so we have an opportunity every day as we do these devotions to think about these things. And be prepared because it's just a matter of time. We're going to have to deal with someone that we have not yet let God teach us how to deal with. If we're not praying, if we're not seeking, if we're not taking the time to let God teach us how to minister to somebody that is unreachable or who society has stigmatized for whatever reason. But the point is here, we don't want to ever put anybody in the category of irredeemable, right? Because we've been redeemed. Right. And and the, the love that Jesus showed ha, has shown towards us should be the foundation of why we are able and the reason we're able to show love to someone else that is not like us. Right. Who's different from us. Amen. Lepers. We talked about how they lived outside of the camp. But what are some things we can do to reach out to lonely people without making them feel embarrassed? What do you think, church? Awesome. All right on. That's a good. One. Do you have any examples of that? And I don't mean to put you on a spot, brother. <laughs> I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot or shotgun anybody. But the point is, and that's a great. You 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 said it right on right on the money there, brother. Just talk to people. Have a conversation. 
You know, even in a restaurant, it's in a public place, it's so easy to get caught up in just doing what I got to do. I'm grocery shopping, I'm getting gas, and wow, how many people do you think we bypass in a single day, right? And if that's our norm, let God change that. God wants to change that to where we're looking around. We're more sensitive to what's going on around us. We're, we're, we're wanting to be sensitive to needs. We're, and then we're going to go from there to being available. We're actively looking for that person who's sitting by themselves, who nobody wants to talk to, right? Yes. And that's a good thing. We go into the cafeteria on our lunch break, and we're always seeing that one person sitting there by themselves that nobody wants to talk to, right? All the coworkers say, don't talk to that person. They've got all these issues, right? You don't want nothing to do with that person. Well, guess what? That's the person I'm going to go talk to in the name of Jesus, right? And we see that. That's just part of society. I'm not trying to point the fingers at anybody, but that's a society we live in, but God wants us to rise above that. He has called us to a higher calling to be able to reach somebody. And what a blessing it is when we realize that person, what that person has to offer in Jesus' name, just like Mary, right? What a blessing she was to Jesus and the testimony to, to many others after she was delivered, and so many people. And we, so we can't judge by the outward appearance. We have to say, Lord, help me to see them like you see them. And, Lord, I'm going to go out of my way to try to reach somebody that society does not like or does not accept in Jesus' name. And we have that opportunity every day. We must show the love of God to people considered unclean, right? So we know leprosy is not necessarily a thing today, but are there leprosy-like Issues, do we treat people as kind of like they had leprosy sometimes? We see that in our society today, right? You, you stay in your corner over there, and we'll be over here. Um, but the church needs to be that example of Christ. And, and I know there's, there's a stigma in, in our society today with religion. You know, and a lot of people are turned off by traditional religion because they realize that it's very, very stigmatizing, right, or labeling, or, you know, not welcoming. And so we have an opportunity to be the church that God has called, right, and not that we're better than anybody else. We're just letting God use us in the way he showed us that he wants to use us, right? And Jesus, the point is Jesus was not afraid to talk to anybody, not afraid to reach anybody, and Jesus was moved with compassion, as he dealt with people, you know, have you ever been moved with compassion with somebody that was around you? It could be a brother or sister. It could have been a visitor here to church or somebody at work. But that is, that is a good goal to, to, to reach, to pray about, like, Lord, I want to be compassionate towards the unreachable. Lord, help me to have that understanding, that compassion in my heart. And we know the story that Jesus touched the leper and healed him, Right? healed him, and how thankful that leper was, right? His life was changed forever. From that point on, his life was changed, and we can have that kind of kingdom impact on people around us on a daily basis. Lord, help us. Help us to have that impact. Help us to, to reach beyond ourselves, our own will, our own priorities, and see something that's different, something that matters to you, not just me. In Jesus' name. So what would the compassion of Jesus look like if he lived in our world and our society today? Who do you think Jesus would be going right up to without fear? 
Brother Mike. Amen. Amen, brother. Thank you. That's an excellent example. And, you know, I thought about the, the woman at the well. You know, she was a Samaritan. We talked about that last week. You know, the Samaritans were despised by the Jews. But Jesus went right out of his way to go find her and found her in Jesus' name. So as we watch this video, we're going to consider some of the people that God puts in our life today. Consider people who we see as church, uh, we see as a church need to become more aware of and compassionate toward how would this compassion impact our church? Think about that as we watch this video. Understanding more about who the church is here to help really kind of needs some perspective brought to it. It's easy for us to look at certain types of people groups and think that they are underserved. Maybe uh, the widows, the orphans, the fatherless, you know, James 1.27 speaks of. Looking beyond that though, I don't want to just categorize those who need help as those that society tries to put labels on. I want to look at it from a little different perspective. Using three words, hope, help, and healing. Who is it among us? Who do we see daily on the streets, in the marketplaces, at Walmart, different things like that, that really needs some hope in their life. Who needs help? Who needs healing? When you look at it from those three perspectives, it really takes off society's labels of the wealthy or the poor, looking at different things, not just on ethnic groups, but as true people that they are, the individuals they are, more than just their skin color. When I look at society, I see people that need hope. It could be hope of eternal life. It can be hope of just getting through today, when you consider widows, those who've recently lost someone, uh, there is a sense of hopelessness that comes from thinking they have to bear this burden alone. I want the church to be a support system for those who need that hope in life. When we look at those who need help, it could be financial help, it can be emotional help, it can simply mean help in doing day-to-day -day activities. Uh, when you're out at a restaurant and you have a waitress there that uh, maybe she's, she talks about her kids and you know that if she has a, a child under three years old, there's a good chance she probably needs diapers. What a, what a ministry it can be to her to just help buy some diapers with your tip. Not just leave a typical tip, but leave enough to be able to provide diapers for her family. That little bit shows her that there's somebody there who's willing to help her bear her burdens so that she's not doing it alone. And finally, healing physical healing, emotional healing, mental healing, people that are under the weight and strain of life, the stress that they're under, that need a sense of healing to come to them so that they can feel like they can accomplish and get through their days. I want to make sure that the church is speaking to the, to the health needs of people. Again, those who are under the weight of grief, those who are under the weight of, of dealing with past abuses in their life, and they need that sense of emotional healing that can only come from the support of the Word of God. When we're out in the public, and, or even when we're at church and we have folks that are around us, 
looking at them from that perspective of who around me needs hope, who around me needs help, who needs healing. And you can provide all that through the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and just the genuine friendship that you can offer as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I would encourage you, let that be your perspective. It will change your church. Your church will become more outward focused and less inward focused. Your church will become more loving and more compassionate to everyone. And when people visit your church, they will sense that immediately. And they will know that in this place, there is hope, there's help, and there's healing. Amen. Wow. In Jesus' name, hope, help, and healing. And that's the church we can be for our community, right? And the word gets out. People know where to go, right? And I know when I, when I came into the church, that's what I felt, was that love that this is a place I can be accepted, right? These, these people, they're, they're not looking at my outward appearance. They just they want to pray with me. They want to encourage me, you know? And they don't care if I sit in the back or the front, if I'm quiet, if I'm loud, right? They just want to worship with me in Jesus' name. I feel accepted, the family of God. So as we close here, um, and this message, and as we internalize the message, and I hope that that is what we're doing with our daily devotionals, and that's what they're designed for. And if you don't have one, and I don't know if we have any more of these, but they are, um, um, if you don't have one, I pray that uh, maybe you, you borrow one or um, perhaps just get a copy. Can you take a show of hands of those who don't have one and one? Who would like one of these? We have one take, two takers. Awesome. Perfect. And if you're online and you're watching and you want one, go ahead and text in, in the comments. There you go. Awesome. Love technology and the internet. So internalizing the message as we close here, this is another story I want to share with you that I think was very powerful. It says, it was surreal. The band was playing. The crowd was setting in, settling in, and Joanne was about to walk across the stage to accept her master's degree in education, which represented six years of classroom instruction, countless hours of study, and a ton of research. Along with her student teaching and writing, her, her heart raced, her eyes involuntary, involuntarily teared up. How did she get here? As preliminaries began, Joanne's thoughts floated back to her dysfunctional childhood, the fights and the hours she'd spent hiding in the basement to escape the wrath of her alcoholic parents. She remembered first grade when she discovered everyone else had already started learning to read, but she had to go to the remedial reading room down the hall. A few summers later, she endured her parents' volatile divorce and the emotional distress of parting ways with her beloved sister who went to live with her dad and, she, and, his, new lot, and his new wife. But when Joanne thought of a moment in the fall, one day at recess, as she sat in the corner of the playground, God sent her a kind teacher who took a few minutes to share her own story of childhood abuse and of surviving the breakup of her home. The story gave Joanne hope on many occasions throughout her life. It helped her move through her teens without a father. She wondered if she wouldn't have made it without the little boost. Next, Joanne's mind jumped to all the other people who had touched her life over the years. The church, the church youth leader, who had faithfully picked her up every Friday night. The wise lady at church who had taught her how to survive the unwanted advances from guys in high school. The pastor who had preached passionately and helped her understand the love of God and the power of the, of the uh, people who would respond and, and after she experienced her baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit, and the people who had sponsored the scholarship program 
making it possible for her to go to college. Life was a maze of hardships, but God seemed to place helpers at key places along the route. Joanne was extremely thankful for everyone who had cooperated with God and invested in her life. Suddenly, she felt a nudge. The student next to her whispered, they called your name. Joanne quickly jumped to her feet, carefully mounted the stage, and gracefully reached for her diploma. She could hear someone shouting her name. The voice was unmistakable. It was her youth leader's wife cheering her as if her own child was receiving a diploma. So those are the kind of impacts you and I have the opportunity as the church in our community to make in people's lives. Whether you're a youth, a youth teacher, a Bible study teacher, a neighbor, a co-worker, you can have that kind of impact in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me and may I ever do my part Feel that way tonight. 